What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Hello. We are excited because today we have Clay from Fight the New Drug, and um, he's kind of a big deal. He's changing no. the world. <laughs> Not at all. It, he's really. The, hey, if, the, if they call me the legend, then I don't know what What's they could call him because he is know. the man, the, the world yeah. changer. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. So um, we're going to go ahead and get started with a little review from the podcast. We had so many of you leave a review last week, and we really appreciate that. And this one says, the podcast provides a deep understanding in what it means to be a sex addict. Empathy is felt and taught. The expert seems to know exactly what I've been through, which that makes me happy because both sides are feeling that. Yes, absolutely. This isn't just for the betrayed. It's not just for the addict. It's for both. So awesome. All right. All right. So Clay, we wanted you to introduce yourself to our listeners who maybe haven't heard of Fight the New Drug. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'll give you the short version, I guess, which is probably more desirable. So um, back in high school, uh, uh, I have a cousin that struggled with pornography that was pretty uh, severe. In fact, very severe. He, he uh, had an addiction. He acted out because he needed more and more often in a more hardcore version. He acted out in ways that were inappropriate and illegal. And he went to prison. And that was really hard for my family. Um, I didn't get all the details, but uh, later when I uh, was older and he had finally gotten out, I asked him what had, what led to that. And he told me that it was from his kind of compulsion or struggle with pornography, which just blew my mind. I had no, that was just like, what? How did that, uh, I, how, how is that possible? So I went and uh, started doing some research on campus uh, with my friends and we started to find uh, a lot of evidence at that time and there's only a lot more since has come out. Um, and when was this? About what this is about uh, 2007, uh, okay. 8. I mean, we, we launched Fight the New Drug in 2009. Okay. Nice. So, I mean, we found a lot of evidence that suggested that pornography could be, you know, uh, harmfully affect individuals, relationships, and society. And we thought, well, what the heck? Why aren't we talking about this? And we were naive, which I always say is one of my strongest suits, uh-huh. is naivety. <laughs> right? It, uh, if I knew exactly what it would have taken, and you know, uh, maybe a, a saner individual would walk the other direction. But uh, you know, I uh, we we saw the need. Uh, I had I had a creative agency at the time, so film and marketing is my background and entrepreneurship. And I thought, well, let's start a little campaign, kind of like the Truth Campaign against tobacco, but like but for to educate youth on the harmful effects of pornography using science, facts, and personal accounts and, and take it outside of the political dialogue and outside of the religious and morality mm-hmm. dialogue and, and bring it into a public health conversation. And as we started telling people this, they just thought, like, you, that's, that's, that would never fly. And, um, and we launched this little campaign thinking, well, let's see, let's see where this goes. And um, didn't take long from for uh, me to recognize that if I wanted to make this go anywhere, I needed to leave my job. So I sold my company to my partners and I wow. went full time um, about uh, almost, well, nine years ago. Wow. So Fight, Fight and Drug now is an organization that educates youth um, uh, as well as adults on these uh, 
truths about how pornography impacts individuals' relationships in society. And we've been able to uh, grow the audience into the millions and, uh, and uh, been able to present in, in Spain and Trinidad, Guatemala, Mexico, so Canada, cool. Australia. You know, uh, and we have presenters now certified in many of those countries. And, and so the whole idea is, is, is still to, to help individuals fight for real love. Um, fight for those that are struggling and need support and help and fight for those that are victimized and don't have a voice. And so it's far more of a movement for something rather than against anything. Oh, I love that. And, and, and you know, we all know that pornography destroys love, kills families. Um, is, is your, um, like, target mostly like teenagers, kids, well, adults? It's interesting. You know, our, our branding and our, a lot of our framework is definitely geared to a younger audience. We want to make sure that we kind of catch them before it becomes too much of a struggle in their life because a lot of the major challenges, as you guys well know, uh, that, that you know, follow pornography oftentimes manifest themselves uh, later on when, right. when relationships are, are uh, you know, a, a lot more intimate and deep and, and uh, those connections are strong. And so, so we want to kind of catch them before a lot of those life decisions have been made. And uh, so we do focus on that. But a part of that, in order to really have an impact on that demographic, we've really also then got to, we've, we've got to speak to the parents. And so we do a lot of parent presentations. Right. Uh, we, we, we speak uh, to a lot of university campuses. And, and oddly enough, um, uh, we speak to a lot of like um, – conferences of professional like counselors and pediatrics and national center for this so like a lot of different uh, professional organizations and we're actually going to be speaking to the uh, kansas city royals the baseball team really yeah that is so cool in a couple weeks that is awesome random but yeah yeah. so you're doing prevention on all levels i mean it's i think it's so cool you're training therapists you're um helping parents you're going into schools that's really cool, Clay. And I, I just, you know, to start, I just want to say how grateful I am because um, I treat it every day. And, and so I see the back end. I see the effects of, of porn addiction. I see the destruction that it, it does to families. And I think it was uh, Benjamin Franklin or somebody said um, an ounce of prevention is worth like a pound of the cure. It's, it's, it's so much better to prevent than it is to try to treat and I think yeah. with you here, if we can just talk, you know, our audience, there are people who who um, have pornography addiction in their marriage, but patterns get passed down. And so um, they probably have pornography addiction with their children as well. And yeah. if we can just break down some helpful tips, um, some some important like understanding and knowledge for them about prevention then I think I think we'll accomplish our goal today. Yeah, so. I, I think that's uh, like this is a special one for Ashline too because we've early when we started recovery, like like the fight blog was one that I visited daily. Really? Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like awesome. like abs like legit. It, it really did, and it's because it brought real life repercussions to 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 me front and center. And I told I was telling Ashline on the way here, like anytime I would get hijacked in addiction it would always take something really dramatic from the other end of the spectrum to snap me out of that moment. And what's cool is when I would visit the blog, anytime I do visit the blog, I always, I always see a real life effect or account, like a real life story of someone. And, and what that does is it helps me grow in empathy for those that are affected, the betrayed, mm. the, the, the person who, who is deep in, um, in addiction, 
um, or th- the people who are who are caught up on the production side of porn. It just it just helps me have more empathy for humanity, and and I think what that really does is it's going to facilitate. Um, more love for me, and and it's interesting because you you use the word love in in a very specific way, as though what we're what we're fighting for, rather than what we're trying to fight against, and and as everybody starts to listen to this, whether you're the betrayed, whether you're the addicted, or um, yeah, the parents of kids who are addicted, I want you guys to remember that in in this in this battle for love, I mean, I, I don't want you to consider this necessarily a battle against porn, in as much as that's the thing, but if you're a parent with a child who's really struggling they're probably struggling more than what you realize because I was that kid. And, and so this message of fighting for love is as much for you as anything because your child needs love and needs connection. And that's the thing that's going to help grow their ability to get out of the depths Mm. of addiction and the dark, dark places that it presents. But if you're also the betrayed or you're the addicted, I want you to remember as well that, this is as much about creating the love that you really deeply desire. And sometimes the fog of addiction and and the shame of addiction blinds us from that. But but the love and connection is really what I hope that this episode will do for you guys is help you realize that this is a, this is a battle for love in relationships and in families between parents and kids and, and just in humanity as much as anything. When we talk to, um, well, we talk to anybody really. We talk about the fact that you know research. Um, so, uh, outside of opinion, research is showing us that pornography is impacting what we love, how much we love, how we think about those we love, and how we even express love. And so, you know, that's a that's a lot. And you dive into all the research that validates all those points. But we summarize that in a single phrase, and that's "porn kills love," as we've talked about. And and uh, that that uh, that kind of summarizes so much of what porn does but but rather than focusing again against fighting against pornography it's about building one of my favorite quotes is by a man named dan millman and he says that the secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old but on building the new yeah and so you know what are we building what are we focusing on what are we creating um to kind of replace the hollow counterfeit that that is porn and uh and i think that's really at the center of what well, it, we try it's, to do. Well, you know, if we break down, <clears throat> we break down what love is. Love is selfless. Love is being you're able to be authentic and open and honest with who you are. And um, somebody who's addicted to porn, they're full of shame. They're shut down. They're closed off. And so when 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 you fight the new drug, when you fight porn. Um, and, and you work against that addiction, you are creating love because it's making it so so many people don't have that shame anymore, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't have that porn addiction in their life. And so yeah. I, I always say, um, I get the question all the time from, from wives. They say, how do I know when, when my husband's in recovery? Like, how do I know? And I just say, you'll know. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that is they'll feel love in the relationship. They'll feel they'll feel healthy attachment in the relationship and porn addiction, sex addictions and attachment disorder. It kills love. It's exact. I, I love your, your guys slogan, uh, porn kills love because that's exactly what it does. So can you talk to us about some of the just statistics out there in terms of porn use, how prevalent it is? Um, just, you know, maybe, maybe with teenagers, maybe just with people like what, what are some of the shocking, um, Things going and on with right young now. kids too, because I was that seven-year-old who was exposed to you know a stack of magazines at legit at seven. seven. So that was yeah. like I don't know in eighty-four, 
honestly. Yeah. And, and I got to think that things aren't any better <laughs> no. right? now than, than they were then. No. Oh, gosh. Um, I think a good way uh, to at least set the tone for this conversation uh, for a lot of parents that maybe are completely clueless as to what's happening today is uh, I was doing a presentation in Palo Alto in California, and uh, uh, a, a man probably in his early 40s came up after the presentation. He said, hey, can I tell you my story? And I said, sure. And he said, um, he told me uh, that when he turned 16 years old, his mother walked into the room, into his bedroom, and dropped a, a box of pornography magazines on the floor and said, it's time you became a man and walked out <laughs> of the room. And, and again, that's the exact response that everyone gives me. Just like, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, my eyes are like as big like, as tennis balls right like, now. Like, what <laughs> is that? Is that possible? I, I, and, and I always ask, you know, the people I'm speaking with, I'm saying, okay, so how many of you, when you turned 16, got a box of magazines from your mom, uh, you know, porn magazines? And nobody, of course, raises right, their right. hand. And they say, okay, well, how many of you mothers gave your sons at 16? And nobody raises their hand. And they right. say, okay, okay, well... I'm glad we could kind of isolate that as an extreme case. Luckily, that's not occurring today. Luckily, that's just this crazy radical, uh, uh, you know. I mean, if that were to happen to everybody, who knows what kind of challenges we'd face in our society. And then I kind of pause and say, actually, that exact experience is happening to every single child yeah. today, except it's not a box of magazines with bare-chested women in cornfields. It's much worse, as yeah. research is showing, that 88% of the most popular films found online are aggressive and violent towards women. It's not a box of 100 magazines. It's unlimited. And it's not at the age of 16. It's, it's at the age of 7 and right. 8. So, so when we think of that, that extreme story, and it kind of shocks us, we kind of need to get shocked into the reality that's of what wild. that and that that's the reality of every child yeah. going to, in today and yep. and I think parents need to recognize that and recognize that this is um, I mean parents that tell me you know this is you know what's wrong with porn it's been around it's what uh, was around when I was a kid yeah. I think oh goodness you just you're completely clueless to the realities it's like comparing a little I don't know baby cute kitten to a saber-toothed tiger with lasers yeah. or something. It's just a totally different world today than it it's was. It's so true. So I don't know. It's, yeah. I think that's, that's a good standard to kind of say, okay, so parents, today is different uh, you know, than it's ever been. Um, this generation is growing up dealing with this issue to an intensity and scale that no generation in the history right. of the world has ever seen, period. Right. And, uh, uh, and not only is it more available than any other time and more accepted than any other time, the nature of the material has also evolved mm -hmm. along with it. And that cocktail, that combination is where the real tidal wave of harm right. is kind of come yeah. upon us. Okay, so the follow-up question to that is, is like you say that this, per se, this box of porn is being dropped into the laps of like seven-year-olds everywhere. But for, for the parents who are like, who maybe think, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not facilitating any, anything like that. And, and, and I have had the conversation about, you know, don't look at bad stuff on the computers. But so legit, where, where are kids, like the mainstream kid who's not looking for porn, right? Where are they actually seeing it on their devices? Like where are common places where it shows up as, as, as you guys have found? 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, so first of all, you've got to understand that the pornography industry is actually targeting youth. It's not like this thing like, oops, they got a hold of it. Oh, that shouldn't have happened. Right. Let's make sure that we have better regulations around this so that that doesn't happen. Here, they please, want. Please yes, they want them. And why would they want them? Because if they can get them young, they might have a lifelong client out of them. If they can normalize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's addictive. If they can normalize that behavior among uh, adolescents. By the time that the, you know, the, the sexual hormones are really kicking yeah. in gear, they, they already have their default uh, access point, right? there so so the industry is targeting them in games um uh children's games i'm talking children's games of course we know about the grand theft autos and all those things but we're talking children's games that are targeting them um i I could give you example after example of of scenarios where it's like disney characters and you scroll down and if you get far you know where pop-ups come up pointing you to legit porn sites um and uh of of disney characters you if you search on google uh, images uh, Disney characters. When I don't want to give any ideas to the listeners, but uh, um, there's it's just inundated, and they're getting so crafty. And they're I mean they have teams of of people focused on how can we get people to stumble. Stumbling yeah. is where they want to get you because they know that their product is addictive, and if they can get you to stumble enough times, yeah. you're going to keep coming back to it. And we all have that natural desire and, des- and drive for it's understanding that sexuality. Just one right. little yeah thing one, in the next. One quick example of this is my uh, niece of uh, at the time she was uh, nine years old, um, and uh, every night for a few months straight she was accessing hardcore pornography on their parents uh, on her parents my sister's um, iPod Touch, so they thought that she was watching or listening to music as she went to bed, and that's what they told she told her parents saying, "I just want to listen to music. Is it okay?" They said, "Sure, if that helps you go to sleep. Go ahead." For three months straight, she was watching hardcore oh uh, pornography, ag- aggressive, violent types. And when my parent, when her parents found out, my sister, she called me and said, she was just devastated in tears, saying, "What is going on?" And and uh, you know, again, that's uh, kids are accessing it because uh, younger and younger kids are d- stumbling upon it. That then creates conversations on the bus and creates conversations on the playground to say, like, "Do you guys know this?" And it kind right. of normalizes that yes. behavior. Well. And as they see some of their, you know, these characters that they look up to and have loved all growing up, you know, put into situations and scenarios that are, are shocking to them, they think, well, maybe that's what adults do. Maybe that's normal. That's, maybe that's okay. Right. And it, it, the curiosity drives them in. I, I think, you know, the, the, I, I work and I live in a very rigid, um, affluent, um, you know, place and – um, a lot of the parents are very involved in their kids' lives. Um, you know, there's two parents, and they're very involved. And I think a lot of them think that doesn't happen. What, what Clay is talking about right now doesn't happen to my kid. No, not my kid. Not my, my kid, <laughs> right? But but I, I, I you know when you say it's like we're dumping a box of it's 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 worse than dumping a box of, of pornography in front of them. Um, any kid that goes to school, any school. Has a has a friend who has a phone who has access to pornography. So, as much as parents want to protect and prevent one hundred percent, the fact of the matter is, is they they can't, right? They can't. No. Yeah. And, and regardless of what filter you might have, and and the, and I think people should, you know, introduce some technology solutions in their Absolutely. homes. Absolutely. But but regardless of all of that, it's not a question of if, but when and to what yeah. degree. Yeah. That's literally it. So parents. You know, it's 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 a matter of figuring out how we're going to educate them so that they know how to respond. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we shared our story, our videos. Uh, how long ago was it? 
two, two years, two years ago, when they came out, we were having the problem with the next video that was being shown was pornography. So we're saying, oh, on YouTube, yes, on yeah, YouTube, like here's hope, here's our story. You guys were the clickbait. We were, yeah, and isn't that so crazy? they changed all the tags to like unicorns and cupcakes, Butterflies. thinking that would help. And the porn was still there, and it was like they're really using the same tags. It was crazy. That is so crazy. yeah, wow. Yeah, they really are looking for our kids. Yeah, and and a lot of people out there. Um, you know, because the conversation shifts a little bit. When we talk to parents, there's two primary audiences that we're speaking to. One uh, group of, of the parents think that porn is just totally fine, no right. big deal. Like, what's the problem? It's actually a great way right. to explore. And so to them, we kind of want to wake them up. We, wanna, we want to uh, uh, kind of talk about the, the reality the of the science. research, show yeah. them the science. And we do. And we kind of like awesome. shock uh, we don't, our intention isn't to shock them, but our intention is to help them understand what's really happening. Right. And then there, the other uh, part of the audience is they they overreact. They they yes. they are. Hey, my kids watch porn three times. He's an addict. Yes. And and to them, I want to like calm them down, like breathe. Uh, you know, uh, using the term addict uh, or addicted. Uh, we we overuse that Absolutely. term, and and really we need to be careful, particularly when we're talking about adolescents or or teenagers, and using that term. And of course, there are some, particularly in the you know in the high school category, that could be dealing with an actual addiction. But many are dealing with uh, you know strong habitual habituation or compulsive beha- behaviors right. that haven't yet you know crossed that threshold of addiction. And and I think that nuance of language is important when we talk about this, so that Absolutely. we don't we don't kind of. Uh, Exaggerate or kind of well, and that, escalate re- it. that that shame around that when it's when it's um, you know an overreaction like that that's that's almost just as destructive it as the pornography be, yeah. itself. You know, I see in my practice, I, I treat two types of people. I treat the the intense sex addicts who are out sleeping with prostitutes, and and then I, I treat the very goody goody religious kid who masturbates once a month and. And considers himself a raging addict. Yeah. Right. Oh. And and so I see both sides of it. And on his side, I'm trying to trying to help him just let go of the shame. Yeah. Um, be be open about some of his struggles, but realize that he's not this 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 addict. Right. A bad person. This bad person. Yeah. So so I, I like what you just said, Clay, because I see it day in and day out in my work. So, so I have a question for you, Clay. Okay. Do you get the parent? Because I I know there's the parent who they don't want to teach right because they'll just figure it out on their own I, I have some friends like that I also have friends who are like my, not my kids like not that young because I have to remind them you know Kobe was seven years old and that was in the 80s and it's now a lot more going on our yeah. our oldest is nine years old she's a girl she wears she stole my porn kills love shirt oh, really? she wears it to school often wow. and, and she doesn't care they let her <laughs> but she doesn't care because she's like dad dad saw porn when he was young and so i know that there's kids at my school yeah who, who see it wow yeah so um your your initial question was the parent who says i'm not going to teach until maybe they're like teenagers or they're oh, too yeah, young age. you know don't okay. introduce it because then it's curiosity oh yeah the curiosity myth um <laughs> Well, again, the, the reality is that they are, they know, 
uh, and, and they, they're uh, aware of things. They may not have the vocabulary around it, but they know. And we always tell parents, you know, when, when should you talk about this? And, and there's, some, uh, there's some kind of things you can kind of check out. Oh, are they accessing the Internet on their own? Well, you know, conversations ought to be happening in those kind of situations. Um, but it's generally speaking, it's sooner than you think. It's sooner than you think, and it's uh, an ongoing conversation. This idea of a one-time conversation. Horrible uh, idea. Horrible idea. anything big, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, I mean, I always say, like, take that idea. Like, I I have people raise their hand, like, how many of you had the talk growing up? And and, uh, and, and literally, I I would say, almost uh, across the board in all the presentations we do, I get about 25 to maybe 30% raise their hand saying that my parents sat me down and talked to me. The rest didn't, and... And, and I'm like, this, that's, that's really shocking. But, right. but, but this idea of a one-time event uh, where you get the slides and the popcorn, send the kids out, and you're like, you're, you're like doing this big deal, like, uh, is, is really actually not very helpful. And, and, and you know, I know you have some thoughts around this, right. and, uh, and, and maybe uh, – I don't know if you agree with this, but, um, but this idea of a big kind of event and a one-time event – is problematic in many ways. One is that it should be an ongoing layered conversation that starts sooner than you think and on into yeah. their adulthood. Yeah. And two, it shouldn't be a, a large kind of grand event because the next time that they maybe get exposed or want to talk or want to open up, they don't know how to get back to that because yeah. it wasn't a natural kind of dialogue. It, it's kind of a simple, natural uh, conversation. So we always tell parents like, use your surroundings. Like if a if a billboard or uh, was you know inappropriate, and you know don't draw attention to it if they didn't see it. But if they saw it, use it. Say like, hey, how do you think that depicts women or relationships or a commercial for hamburgers? Like, how do you think that's portraying relationships and and healthy uh, healthy intimacy? And they yeah. can kind of start to dissect that. And so use those opportunities. I absolutely agree with you, Clay. And. You know, to make it this big event, you're you're setting the table for shame because because what you're saying is to talk about your sexuality, to talk about something like that, it's this awkward big thing that we got to talk about. And the reality is, is that child is a sexual being; they're an emotional being, sure. they're a spiritual being, and hopefully, as a parent, you're connecting to them on on all levels, and you can create safety in all levels. And so um, that they, you know, if they if something happens to them sexually, if they're exposed to pornography, they can come to you and just say, hey, I saw this. This is what happened. I want to talk to you about it, Dad, and discuss it with you. Yeah. But that's not going to happen if you're creating these awkward, big-time, one-time events. Where the kids kid. are just completely – my parents bought an eight-series VHS tape. Like, <laughs> you know, it was intense, <laughs> and it was I, – I couldn't I, – it was bad. It, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but they were trying. Right? Bless their hearts, right? No, and and I love them, and and it was great, and and they did create a, a healthy environment of trust, and I could talk to them, but but I just recommend not going there for that. Absolutely, it's just really hard. And and you said something just now, Brent, that that uh, I think is important. That this whole idea of, of of shame and judgment. A lot of times, parents when they find out that their kid has been watching things, you know, they 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 know better. Their reaction can sometimes be very aggressive. Uh, it it goes straight to consequence. Like, yeah. give me that phone. Yep. Go home. You're grounded. That's not happening again. How dare you know better? Uh, go talk to right. you know uh, if they're religious, uh, their pastor or bishop or whatnot. Right. Uh, and, and what I say is like, parents, be careful. Um, first of all, you've got to understand that they're living in a world very different than the one you grew up in. Right. So let's have a little bit of empathy for this situation that they're in. Um, and second of all, we need to respond with love, support, encouragement. Right. 
Um, uh, and, and that way, when they say, hey, mom, I'm struggling, or hey, dad, I'm struggling, they can say, you know, all right, well, let's do this. Yeah. I, I can help you. I can be there for you rather than, well, you know, you know better. Give me that phone. As a parent, there's a, it's almost, it's a paradox. It's, it's a prevention paradox. I'll coin that. Put that. There you go. But, but I'm it's, writing that. <laughs> it's, and what that means is you have to almost respond the opposite way of what you naturally want to do. Because I think naturally you find out your kid's looking at porn, you're going to freak out and tell them it's bad. And, and you almost have to go to the opposite, which is normalize it, that they want to see it. Um, let them know that it's desirable in some ways. Yeah. Right. And so that, so that they don't feel so much shame about their desire to look at it. And if you do that, then you can create some safety to start to discuss things with them. Yeah. Um, but if, if you, if you do what you were just talking about, Clay, then what that's going to do is just push them further under the ground. They're going to keep looking at it. They're just going to not talk to you. They're going to get better at hiding it, hiding it and feeling worse about themselves every time they look at it. Yeah. So that was completely me as, as a kid. It was like my, (laughs) the classic story that, um, that, that was my first where my dad found out that I looked at porn was, I was probably like eight eight or nine was in uh, Butte, Montana. It was the middle of the night. We're driving, you know, 10 hours to visit family. We stopped to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom, come out. The newsstand is there next to the, next to the, the, the counter where the clerk is. And I find a magazine. Oh, there it is. I know what this is. And I'm just, as an eight-year-old, flipping through it. And my dad walks up behind me after, I don't know how long I was looking at it, pulls out of my hand, puts it back in the shelf, says, never do that again. Okay. That was Rather the than period. conversation. <laughs> period. And, oh, don't worry, though. My, my dad, bless his heart. He had a many conversations about this. He's a licensed clinical social worker. <laughs> so, oh, yeah? It, it, yeah, totally. But, but that's, that's evidence that even though you might be a therapist, you're still a parent as well. And I think this brings up, I think, an interesting point. And I'd like to actually hear some context from you, Brandon, on this, but also some experience that you've had as well. Do parents need to let themselves off the hook if they find that their kids have looked at porn? Meaning is if a kid is looking at porn, is that a reflection on how good their parenting is or isn't? That is a great Mm. question. Go for it, Clay. Well, I'll I'll be sure. But... uh, Again, it comes back to that world that they're growing up in today. Parents, they, they do need to kind of, uh, I, I guess that's a way to put it, let themselves off the hook in a way um, because uh, parents need to recognize that uh, you know, kids are, are getting access to this in a variety of ways. We can do better. I think we can do better as parents to, to help educate and um, protect our homes for sure. But uh, a lot of parents really think that they are terrible parents because their kid gets wrapped up into pornography. And really, there is so much force, societal force, cultural force that is pushing from behind to to make these kids uh, struggle, and uh, even biological force. And uh, so I think that parents need to just recognize that this is a, a, a you know a real challenge of this day, uh, more so than any other time, and that although we can improve, let's not beat ourselves up. It's kind of the same thing we wanted to tell the addicts. Let's not, let's not make it worse. Uh, how I look at it is like, you know, I don't know the exact statistics. Maybe you would know better than me, Clay, but, you know, 99 to 100% of kids have viewed porn, right? Um, I don't, I don't 99% know. 99% and one, the 1% was lying. Is lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, 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 the statistic on how many seek it out and use it regularly I don't know that statistic, but I'm sure it's pretty darn high. 
Um, that means if, if we if we go under the notion that if your kid looks at porn, you're a bad parent, then there's a lot of bad parents out there. <laughs> I mean, everyone's a bad, everyone's parent. a bad parent, right? But but I look at it more as like for for me, I know that my my kids, some of my, I have four kids. Chances of none of them ever viewing pornography or seeking it out are very slim. Zero. Yeah. So so. I look at it instead of instead of this thing of like, oh my gosh, my kids are screwed, right? It's an opportunity for me to 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 connect with them in a whole new way that my parents never had that opportunity, and um, and, and it'll push me as a parent to be safer, to be closer to them, to be more empathetic, and so it, it can really help our our relationship, I think, and it'll help me be a good dad to normalize it that they they will probably see porn. Right, so that's a. I, I appreciate the perspective from both of you on that, and and I, I think again, this can be probably one of the most uncomfortable conversations that parents can have with kids, right? Realizing that it's going to be like it's not just the one time, but it's but it but we're we're suggesting that it's an ongoing conversation. I, I think that's true to a degree. I think that a lot of parents that I speak with, like when they think about starting that process, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be Daunting. so awkward. Right. But the parents that are, have have been in that process, they say. It's no longer awkward. It's it's fine. In fact, we we like you said normalized right. the idea of, of open dialogue and communication, and right. and so it doesn't have to. It doesn't it doesn't stay. It doesn't awkward. remain that. It doesn't and, remain that. Right. And, and I think that's the point. Is like is just that. It's however uncomfortable it might be for you right now. Your your threshold of what's uncomfortable will grow to where it's a very normal thing that can actually happen very organically. In fact, even in our home. Like anytime we walk in the mall and of course Victoria's Secrets, you know, in front and center in the mall, our girls are like, Okay, there's there's some bad pictures and it's not just like it's it's like this like forty five foot long wall of, of a Victoria's Secret model and our girls are like, Okay, Dad, there's the big bad picture. It's like, Of course, well, let's just, you know, about face and walk the other way. There it is. No big deal. Let's just keep rolling. But you can talk about it. And 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 we do. And and our girls talk about it regularly as it's well. It's a great example of like Using natural experiences to to open up a dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it is what it is. Just go to the mall and you can have that. Pretty <laughs> easily, right? <laughs> well, and I think you say use natural experiences, and I, I love that because there's plenty of opportunities. But I think when Today you, when, yeah, when you use natural experiences, be natural. Is you know when yeah. something comes up, if you freak out as a parent or get really awkward or you're trying to talk normal about it, your kid can pick up on that energy. And they're not going to want to talk to you about it, even if you're trying, right? That's a good point. So the more you do it, the more you discuss it, the more comfortable you'll get as well. Mm-hmm. So, right? I I've told people if you don't feel comfortable and it feels awkward and forced, you need to practice it with your spouse. Like, go and have a conversation <laughs> in your bedroom alone, and then go and do it because it's so. If you're that uncomfortable and you don't talk about hard things in your family, and then all of a sudden you're trying, it's it comes off as really yeah. awkward. And luckily, there there are some tools out there to help in that process of, of, of that those conversations. Um, uh, you know, there's organizations that really focus on uh, providing some kind of, I guess, templates or resources or books that that can help those conversations. Protect Young Minds right. uh, has a book called. Uh, um, good pictures, bad pictures. They have another one right. uh, with a, a junior version. They have it in Spanish as well, right. which can kind of maybe take the edge off a little bit. Say, hey, let's read this book. And then that kind of naturally spawns dialogue. Uh, Educate and Power Kids is another good organization right. that has a lot of great content. 
Um, then there are many out there, and I would just recommend, like, if you are in that place where you don't know where to turn or how to go, maybe you know use some of these resources that might might. Well, and that. and fight the new drug is the best, I think, in terms of your, your guys's content is so well done and it's it's entertaining. Um, it's like I could show it to if I had a teenage son to him, and we'd have a great time watching it together, you know. <laughs> but you're tackling a really hard topic. And you guys do a great job at providing that content. I think it's a great resource for, for parents to start the dialogue. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I'll pay you later. But, uh, <laughs> um, and and Fighting Drug uh, you know, kind of focuses on a particular demographic. I think if you're talking to kids younger in the elementary age. Uh, it's kind of college or high school? Well, you know, high school, middle school, high school, college. Okay. Uh, but, like, if you're talking to elementary, uh, right. fighting drug might give you some good foundational uh, understanding to have a discussion. But as far as um, there are resources that are more catered to, right. to actually hitting those younger generations. Right. Um, right. And, and I've mentioned those. And, and I think that responding with, with again, without the shame, with, with – with, uh, uh, with love and support and and natural, I think th- that that is just the ne- the the best way that we could possibly approach this conversation. Right. And uh, I, I think you'll be surprised as people start trying this that how I think good it, it can come it, off. it shows that the parent needs to do their own work first. In that, yeah. you know, if you were raised in a really shameful household when it comes to sex, and you're dealing with your own porn addictions, and you're not open and you're in recovery with it. Um, you're going to be fighting a losing battle in terms of trying to support your kids. And so if you're healthy and you don't reject yourself when it comes to sex, and th- then you can talk more openly and it's a lot easier. So I have to say, when I first saw Fight the New Drug, it was one of the short videos, like Brandon's talking about, really well done. And it kind of blew my mind because mm. I had lived with someone who was watching porn and very secretive and we weren't really... Dealing with it. It was you. Who was that? (laughs) (laughs) And it blew my mind. I remember coming home and telling Kobe, Kobe, there's science behind what this, what it Uh is. It's not a religious thing. And for me, that was a really big deal because I'd heard it more on the cultural and religious side. Don't do it. Sure. But I didn't understand really how it the could why. affect the brain and affect your relationship. And, and studies show that when it comes to youth today, uh, they've been measuring trust uh, among youth since the early 70s. And they found that this generation rising today is is the least trusting of, of any of the generations prior. And, and of course, that actually makes That's a lot of surprising. sense. They have Google, yeah. right? So you, know, <laughs> you tell me something, but I'm going to go validate right. it and check it out, right? So, so they're the least trusting. But among the things that they did trust or that they do trust is science. And so um, I always tell parents, like, you know, what should I say? Well, I say, first, uh, don't say much. Listen and ask questions. Like, yeah. understand what they know, what they don't know, what kind of misunderstandings they have, and just listen. Second, uh, teach them the facts, um, they respond to the facts. And if you are educated on them, you can be an authority in that category. And then third, share your family values. Very, yeah. very important, but most parents skip one and two and jump right to three. Yes. Share your family values. They're, they're, um, and a lot of teens are kind of figuring out what they believe, if they believe what you believe. And and so uh, all the, they're very important. And in that sequence, uh, can it, it, uh, is we found them the most effective. And then the fourth thing on that list is repeat. Yeah. Repeat, 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 uh, yeah. ongoing. So yeah. I love that. Brandon, you had uh, a really great anecdote as well. I, I remember from a podcast episode, and I don't remember which one, but 
Um, what is a really great one-liner for a parent of, of young of young kids that they can use if they see that their that their child who's maybe ten and under is, is looking at porn? What's a really great canned statement that they can use to deploy if like they're if they're totally freezing in that moment, but they can remember one phrase? What what could that be? That's a good question. I you know I I don't know if I'd give you a phrase, but I'd just say to get curious with them. Um, but what would that, what would that phrase? What could that phrase look like? Um, like w- well, it depends on the situation. So you know how how does it feel when you saw that, right? What's that like for you? You don't want to judgment. Yeah, you don't want to interrogate. You're not right. leading them anywhere. You're really inquisitive, loving, trying to empathize with how they're feeling in that moment. So then you can start to go down that list that Clay just gave. I think that's perfect. I've um, had this question. Can I tell them I'm disappointed in them? They already know, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I wouldn't jump there. I wouldn't jump there. No either. way. And, uh, you know, with the family values thing, I think, I, will you say that list again? I loved that, Clay. Will you just repeat that real quick? Uh, so the first thing was just uh, ask questions and listen. Okay. Second thing is teach them the facts. Yeah. And the third thing was share your family values or beliefs. And fourth is repeat. See, I love that because um, oftentimes we think we got to take our values out because we got to not shame them, right? right? But when you're when you're putting the facts in there, what you're doing is you're saying we have these family values because we don't want these consequences for you. Yeah, it's the why. Yeah, it's not just should. It's not just you shouldn't do this because it's bad. It's we don't want you to do this because we love you, and this is why, yeah. right? which I think is really important yeah. for them. So you're showing them that, that hey, well, I always say this. You don't, as a parent, position yourself above your child when it comes to, to this. You position yourself next to them, meaning you're their teammate to help them work through this as opposed to, hey, I'm your, I'm your guardian who's going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do when it comes to this. Right. That's that's really good, and yeah. really, I, I hope everyone heard that and was listening. Yeah. Uh, so important to position yourself as kind of an ally, absolutely in the experience, teammate, very powerful. So, yeah, and and I think the real key part about that is, and and I, the result is, if you have if your kids have an ally in a really tough, morally contradicting way, that they know isn't in alignment with what the family values are. And they know that's a safe place and you're a safe person to have the conversation. In future, you're you're likely gonna increase your chances of them coming back to you. Yeah. Coming back to their ally, their teammate to say, Hey, listen, like I'm I'm here again. What do we do? Well, I have a guy I've been working with for ten years. So I, I started working with him when he was fourteen. He's now twenty four. And um, you stud. You are a legend. And, That's yeah. rad. <laughs> Stop. That is rad though. Um, Thrills. So, but the, the cool thing is, is his dad was awesome. And so when he was 14, his dad would not check in with him every day. It was a check-in, but it was just like, hey, where you at? How are you doing? They had a relationship where they could just talk openly. And now he's 24, and they still have that relationship. It, you know, Even at this age, his dad's his best friend, his best ally, ally his support. And I just think that's awesome. That's good parenting right there. Mm-hmm. And he's doing really well because he keeps things on the surface. So it's good stuff. I think one thing that um, I'd like to add into this uh, is the fact that it's it's best if you can teach them the good before you talk about the bad or the counterfeit. If 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 you can kind of take now, of course, if if an event or an occurrence. Uh, you know, happens, you have to deal with that and you have right. to address that and explain that uh, like my sister did with her daughter. 
But um, if you are taking control of this and you have that, that, that ability, uh, teaching them the positives and the good, because what we don't want to do is shame the idea of, uh, that, that sex is bad yeah. and that uh, sexuality and feelings of, of attraction are bad. And that, that is uh, an unintended consequence sometimes to the efforts of, of preventing yes. pornography or, or these types of behaviors. Uh, and so you know, if, you, if you can teach them the, the beauty of, of bodies, the beauty of self and the beauty of, of, uh, of sexual relationships in the right time and for the right purpose and all these things, like that can uh, – and then you kind of introduce like – and this can be kind of uh, hijacked or counterfeit and that, that has a lot better way of receiving. I, I, I love that approach. I mean just like what you're saying about fight the new drug, approaching it from, from the – perspective of what are you what can you create that's good in your life as opposed to what you shouldn't do right you know it creating love creating a healthy sex life with a spouse like that's awesome yeah so well i mean i think this has been like a super super fruitful discussion and um i want to encourage everybody who's listening to spend some time like if you're a parent of kids who um who has looked at porn and you haven't spent any time on fight the new drug we want you to go there and want you to be curious, want you to explore and want you to spend time, not just because we want you to know what's there, but because like what's been talked about here is be the authority for your kids. Mm-hmm. And if you're the authority, it's not a matter of throwing in their face, but just having understanding. Then you can see the real life implications of what, I guess, the effects of porn and what, it, what it, the ripple effects, the, the huge ripple effects it can have in the lives of many people. So um, it's a tremendous resource and, I think every parent needs to hop on fight the new drug before um, they find it. It's you, you don't you don't search that res, that resource out after it's happened. Um, every parent sh- should hopefully be on there before and start getting educated and start educating their kids. So, so here's a little uh, homework for you. I want you to go and do some research, but I would love to see people share something from fight. Uh, they have really good articles. They have videos. Um, they've even shared my video on, on fight, but they, they do have a small audience that I would say are against it, against the message of making change with this whole idea. And I want people, I want more people to, to be the positive side of it and, and to support what fight is doing because it is making a difference. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. There's a there's a lot of ways that people can get involved in in, in the movement as a whole. Fighting drug is a piece of that. Uh, there's a lot of organizations doing a lot of good, and uh, you know, uh, I would recommend perusing and getting familiar and finding ways to to be a part of the solution. Um, and uh, if if part of that is is engaging with some of the content that we've produced or or engaging some of the campaigns we do awesome if it's some of the other things that some of these other great organizations are doing that's awesome it's just i think collectively we need to come together no question to to fight for love to change the conversation and uh to move in a more healthy and you know loving direction as a society absolutely love it so guys if if you've heard anything that you really um, enjoyed that spoke that's spoken to you. Please share this. Um, I want to remind you that that this this episode, um, especially if you're watching here on on Facebook, um, you can share this whether it's on your page, whether it's in a in a uh, private message. Um, this can be shared, and you never know who is struggling or who in future might struggle 
and might need a resource like this to be able to be exposed to you know really good content on how to address this issue. So thanks for being here, you guys. Well, I have one more thing. Yes, Sorry please. to, to add this in, but I, I just want parents to be aware of this. Um, if they do uh, find out that their uh, child is struggling with this or even their spouse or whatnot, um, there are a lot of resources out there to help them in addition to dialogue and conversation and um, and in addition to resources that they have in their local communities, such as clergy and counseling and whatnot, um, uh, there, there's, uh, we've developed a, an app called Fortify that's free for youth. And uh, it provides uh, – it, we just launched a brand-new version of it, which is uh, um, really exciting. And it's uh, helped uh, nearly 100,000 people in over 155 countries. And there's support. There's community. There's tracking. There's data. There's, there's – And just uh, as a – doing this day in and day out, Clay, I just want to endorse that. And I've had a lot of my clients – get the content from fortify and it's spot on and it's really good oh so, awesome yeah. well, so it's a it's a resource out there that if you need it uh it, it's it's free for you so um just be aware of that awesome okay guys thanks so much clay appreciate having you we'll see ya